75 years of history has been made here. Shaped by innovators, game changers, champions. A revered legacy was forged and a bar was set. The Browns are winners again. This is getting to be fun. Going towards the end zone. Caught by Donovan Peoples-Jones. Touchdown! We want more. As a team, we work. Miles Garrett got it back at the 35-yard line. Every day, for every yard, for every win. Rose corner, touchdown, Jarvis Landry. We work hard, we work smart. It's not one or the other. Taking nothing for granted. Nothing is given. Jump ball, tease in. Everything is earned. I believe in the men of this group. I believe in this group. Touchdown, Browns. Is that enough? No. Is that all you got? You got more? Welcome back in, Browns fans. Week three is here, and the Browns have won two in a row. Yes, they have. We should be 3-0 right now, but we've already discussed our thoughts on the Chiefs game. So, Yeah, about that. Speaking of, oh, speaking of the Chiefs, how about their 1-2 record right now? Yeah, uh, the Browns actually have a better record than the Chiefs. Go figure. They have a better record than Chiefs. Also, if we're going to be talking about records right now, let's take a look at our division real quick. Can you put all that up real quick, Mike? I sure can. Here we go. So sitting at week three right now, we have the Browns, Ravens, and Bengals all sitting at two and one. The surprising one is the Bengals to me that they're sitting at, you know, two wins right now already. The Bengals, yeah, they're off to a pretty strong start. Uh, there seems to be something, a glaring uh, issue here, though. I don't know if you can see it. What's that? Uh, what is that? It looks like that's the Squealers, <laughs> Stylers, Steelers. That's what. Sitting at one and two. And the shocking thing is they got sent to their second loss by the Cincinnati Bengals at Heinz Field. Uh, yeah, I, ladies and gentlemen, I think we're seeing the end of Ben Roethlisberger, finally. Yeah, the articles are all over the place online. It's, it's looking I mean, like it's, it's, it's over. It's unfortunate, but I mean, we said this at the end of our podcast last season. We yeah. said this during the draft. We said this multiple times now, over and over. Ben Roethlisberger should not have come back for one more season. No, he should have been done. And uh, if Sunday showed us anything, um, tripping over his own feet, overthrowing receivers, uh, putting them in bad situations. The, let's put. Let's talk about one of the worst situations that he got himself into. A fourth and ten uh, screen route to Najee Harris behind the line of scrimmage. Yeah, and there were two defenders right, right in front of him. I uh, will not understand that play. Uh, Roethlisberger, definitely, like we said, is. We'll get to the Browns game here in just a second, folks. This is just other news we're getting into real fast. 
Uh, this, yeah, this really is the signal for the end of Ben Roethlisberger, I believe. I think in the next couple of weeks, we're going to be seeing him probably get benched in favor of Mason Rudolph starting the rest of the season. And we could, we're definitely going to be looking at the Steelers picking up a quarterback in free agency or in the drafts. Yeah, it's looking like it. I think by the time the Browns play the Steelers in, I think week eight it is, I have a feeling Mason Rudolph could be the quarterback by then. It's a definite probability at this point. Um, and it's unfortunate because Roethlisberger, as much as as much flack as we give him and give the Steelers, he mm-hmm. is a Hall of Fame quarterback. There's no doubt about it. He is a Hall of Fame quarterback. Oh, yeah. He's won how many Super Bowls in Pittsburgh? He's won a couple. Two, three? I believe. I think it was like two or three. But it's it also this one hurts for me specifically only because not because it's Roethlisberger, but because he's one of the last remaining of the dying breed of old style quarterbacks that were about getting the getting downfield, getting the first downs. Moving well, yeah, the, because that was the, the line. that was the field of like Peyton Manning, Eli Manning, Philip Rivers, you know, um, those guys, and everybody's gone except for Tom Brady. And if Brady, who knows what? Whenever he's going to end up retiring. Yeah, I, Brady. If it were up to him, I think he'd play till he's fifty. But I don't know if his body will last that long. Who knows? But in today's era, I mean. We've all seen it now for the last couple of years. It's been transitioning from the old school style quarterback mm-hmm. to more, you know, the diverse running back, I guess you could say. One that can run the ball as much as they can throw it. Right. To now it is all about trying to get those explosive plays downfield. Yeah, I mean, we 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 said it last year that it just looked like Roethlisberger could not get the ball down the field, and he still isn't throwing the ball down the field. Uh, he's just not capable of it anymore. Mm-mm, the arm's gone. Well, he hurt his elbow, I think, quite a few times in his career. I, I don't think he can handle it. I don't think so either. And, you know, if this is, if this is going to be the end of his career, it's a sad way to go, unfortunately. It is. I mean, I understand, you know, he didn't want to retire with the Browns beating him in the playoffs, but, you know, it was like a so what situation. You owned the Browns throughout your entire career, so they finally got the best of you. Nut up, suck it up, and retire because you're done. But what can we say? Anyways, on to this week's game against the Bears. Yes, let's get to that. Okay, so, so, I, I the, the beginning of this game really scared the ever loving shit out of me. I, um, I, I had a feeling this is going to be a real defensive minded game from the get go, from mm-hmm. both teams because we they both have great defenses. It's just that you know the Browns we just haven't really seen step up in their defense. No, going into this game, potential is. Yeah, going into this game, their defense was not 
putting up putting up the stops it should have been and uh especially last week against the Texans which we know we were far superior over and they just you know weren't and doing what they're supposed right to do here, this right here the lack of communication on the line the breakdown of play calling there it was one of multiple issues that I noticed that we had with the O-line in general this game. Baker was not getting the protection that he, he should have been. He was not getting the protection he should have been. Uh, he was also, with OBJ back in, it seemed like we were getting the Baker from his second season, and that was starting to scare me a bit because that was a Baker that was we don't not want to really see again. that productive at all. Right. Right, and and the thing of it is too is I, I I have to point this out too because Although, I mean it was it good to have uh, OBJ back. Oh hell yeah, it's great to have an explosive star player like him on your team on the field ready to play. It was great to see him get the game that he did coming mm-hmm. back in, but it just felt like with him coming back and Landry being out, you know it re- it went back to season two for Baker all over again with him leading the team, and that was him trying to get all these plays out to OBJ. Well, yeah. And uh, I, I got to make mention of this too, because I noticed there were a couple plays um, when the Browns had like third and one and uh, Stefanski decided to pass on both third and one and then go for it on fourth and one. Why are you doing that when you have dynamic running backs and Chubb and Hunt? Why are you throwing the ball on third and fourth and ones? I don't know. Like it, there was a lot of questionable calls this game, but in the end, did it end up working in our favor? Yes. Why? Because what the Chiefs did to us in the second half of week one, we essentially did to the Bears this entire game, and that was keep them on the field. Well, yeah, and I still can't believe that uh, the Bears only had 47 total offense yards this whole game. And the net passing yard of one. Yep. Like we discussed last week, this was our welcome to the NFL moment that we were thinking was going to happen with uh, Fields taking over the offense this week. Well, it just seems as though like um, Coach Nagy did not draw up the plans to, to, to suit Fields' strengths, and it just seems like he was playing Andy Dalton's playbook. And that was the wrong choice, and that's bad coaching. I agree. And like we're seeing here, Kareem Hunt Kareem Hunt had a hell of a day this past week. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. The, he, he's was, fantastic. Like I messaged uh, Mike earlier, folks, this week. This game essentially boiled down to the Kareem Hunt and Miles Garrett show. Oh, yeah. It was, it was, it was all theirs all, all day. Had, we had Kareem Hunt with, what was it, like 160-plus total yards on offense out mm-hmm. of the 417 that we had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had like over 80 receiving and over 80 rushing. Mm-hmm. Like he alone had like a third, of, more than a third of our total yards. This was his game. And it was oh, yeah. nice to see him explode out like this. We needed him to have this kind of a game. Well, yeah, because the first two games, I mean, he did okay, but he was still relatively quiet. We said last week about through two games, he only had 84 yards rushing and 30 yards receiving, which was which is low, low for him. So it was good to see him explode. Exactly. 
and that, but let's talk about our defense here, Mike. Let's talk about what our defense is. To, well, first, I want to discuss something here with uh, you, with the folks here. Mm-hmm. We already talked, discussed our O line needing to step it up here. Mm-hmm. There's one glaring red alert going off in my head right now. Red flag for I don't know who else noticed this, and that is Jedrick Wills. Injury you know, our, problems. Our blindside guard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't stay healthy. He can't stay healthy, and, and it's concerning. I can, and I can understand why he was having an issue, you know, why our O-line was sort of imploding there at the beginning with um, Wills, you know, not being able to really put uh, play, put weight on his feet at all. Mm-hmm. He couldn't really get his feet underneath him, and in that kind of a position, especially with what he has, mm-hmm. like you're – mainly like your strength has to be your feet being able to hold your ground, being able to protect your quarterback. Right. He couldn't do that. And he got injured yet again this week. I really begs the question here. What do you think that is going to happen with him? Like, do you see this as a glaring problem that's going to continue? Do you see this as hopefully this is just a freak thing and he'll get back to a form like he did last year? Or do you see the Browns looking like maybe we need to look at other venues? Well, I think that if, if, if his angle's giving him injury uh, problems, I think that maybe it's time to maybe sit him for a couple games, let him fully rest it. I think that as long as he keeps playing week to week on it and practicing, it's, it's not going to heal up. He'll be playing through it the whole year. Um, and unfortunately, I think that these past two games would have been the games to do it because they were playing two teams that were just okay football teams. And now you're getting into a stretch that where you're playing the Vikings, who even though they're one and two, they got a red hot offense. And their defense is going to be very, very occupied with them. Then you're playing the Chargers, the Cardinals, um, and they're both playing good football with Justin Herbert in L.A. and and Kyler Murray in, in Arizona right now is just explosive right now. He's headed yeah. towards an MVP season. That's going to be a hell of a game. Um, and then you got the Broncos on Thursday night, and then you're playing the Steelers and the Bengals. So you got a really tough stretch of games coming here where you need all hands on deck here, and you're ready down Jarvis Landry for at least two more games, um, which means OBJ is going to have to carry the load again uh, in some of these harder games. Hopefully we'll get Landry back by the Cardinals game. That's the hope. Well, also keep in mind, it does seem like we're seeing a lot more of like the uh, triangle of uh, tight ends. Mm-hmm. Uh, play is being called here, which I love seeing. It, we're getting, oh, yeah. we're getting our three big tight ends out there getting plays, getting seeing them get play time, watching them make some good plays coming up. Mm-hmm. And we, this is what we need to see more often. Well, it's something we need to see, and and the line I'm concerned about because you know. Even though Wills is, in, is injured, you know, you have J.C. Treader and Jack Conklin on that line. And Jack Conklin, you made that trade for last year, and he's a hell of an old lineman. And so is J.C. Treader. And that's why I don't know why the middle of the line was collapsing so much with the Chicago defense, because they're better well, than that. The problem, though, is that Chicago's defense has been really damn good this year. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, yeah, no question. All things considered, their defense has been really damn good so far. Mm -hmm. I, you have a player like um, – give me one second here. I, my brain just completely dropped on <laughs> the player. Uh, Khalil Mack. you got a player like Khalil Mack on there. You've got Roquan Smith, who was doing fucking amazing for them. Yep. You had uh, Kyrus Tonga, who just who's they're saying some of the like some of these new rookie uh, defensive players that they have are going mm -hmm. to be the next like you're looking at Erlockers or you're looking at these all to all time Chicago defensive greats, right? So it's I can understand you know, that their pressure was able to get through the line. Um, the thing of it is, too, is that, you know, to this day, I still question what the hell the, uh, the Raiders were thinking when they let Khalil Mack go and trade him away. Um, you look back at that decision and what the Raiders have been since then. Poor decision? I don't know. This year, the Raiders are looking real good. They are now, yes. Yes, the Raiders are looking really good now. They beat what? They beat Pittsburgh and they beat Baltimore? Yeah. And we play them later in the year. So, yeah, they're, they're a good football team. They're a lot better than they've been in past years, and they're getting there. Um, it looked like for a while that Derek Carr was not going to be the guy, but now he's playing a little bit like maybe he is. So, who knows? Um, I, it's going to be a real good game to watch, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. No question um, about it. One thing, though, that I'm sure you noticed throughout the first three weeks of the season, uh, one of our one of our mutual friends brought this up to me. Um, a big thing that we have to take care of is getting rid of these unnecessary penalties that we're drawing, especially these rookies. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah. That the only the only penalty that happened, I think, on Sunday that I think was was a was a BS penalty was the pass interference inside the ten yard line. There wasn't much there. Um, kind of a weak penalty call. But there have been calls in the first three games where they have been making dumb mistakes. And you know, I understand early in the season you're making those mistakes because you know it's fresh, it's early season, you're getting things back in the groove. But these are things that need to be cleaned up now. We're now going to be to week four here. So you know, it's time to, be, to figure it out. We're about to be a quarter of the way through the season. Mm -hmm. These mistakes need to end this week. Yep. Or yep. they need to at least start to lighten here. You've got three games under your belt now with these rookies that we have. I mean, yeah, understand it's their first year in the NFL and all that. They're mm -hmm. bound to make mistakes, but you cannot keep making the same ones. No. No, and, and that's why we come to the point now where you get away with these mistakes in these games against bad teams, but these mistakes are going to cost you games in, in the games against good teams, like, like it did against the Chiefs. Exactly. It, it just Those mistakes are going to cost you. But one thing, before we get into the, before we break down the stat line here, there's one other thing that I, or I guess two other things that I wanted to go over real quick, mm -hmm. and that's Miles Garrett is now the Browns holder for the most set or record holder for the most sex in one game. Well-earned. 
that was about time they did it. He should have had it uh, last year, I believe, too. Yeah, I think he had what three sacks, three and a half three and sacks a half. in the game last three and year. Three and a half sacks. Mm-hmm. Then he broke it with four and a half to this week. Well, it was a hell of a thing because on the Friday before the game, you know, he went out and he, he called out the Browns' defense for not playing their toughest, and himself included, and called out the coaches. And I was glad and to see that everybody happened. lived up to it. And everybody did. Happened. Our defense just came alive out of nowhere this week. Yeah. Yeah, every, it was mind-blowing. Every piece was playing at a heightened level, and we're seeing the defense that – the hype was brought around the mm-hmm. beginning of the season starting to come out. Yep. We but saw what this defense was, is capable of. It was not only that, but it was also the fact that we heard uh, the crowd all chanting for uh, Garrett in unison after he uh, had broken that record, after the day that he had. And he said after the game, too, that uh, – and this was refreshing to hear that basically he – Yeah, he wants he, to stay here forever. Yeah, he wants to spend his career in Cleveland, and he couldn't be happier to hear that one. And then there was audio that came out from the game on Sunday, and uh, it was Kareem Hunt talking to different players and referees and stuff like that, saying, you know, Cleveland's his home, and he's happy, and he this is where he wants to play. Th- this is something that we're not used to hearing because in past years no, when the Browns were because- mediocre or bad – People wouldn't say this. People we want trying their best to get out of here, or yep. you know they'd come here and they're like, "All right, cool, we're going to Cleveland. We're going to make a lot of money because mm-hmm. they'll throw money at anybody." Right, right. And now we have guys that want to stay here, want to play here because not only because it's their home, but because we're a good football team. And we're finally getting like we've discussed so much over the last couple of years. Now we're mm-hmm. finally starting to get the Browns team that we've all been wanting for generations at this point. Yeah, it took, took uh, 20, 21 years. We'll go back to last year. 21 years. 21 We're finally years. there. We're finally there. The question is, can we get over the hump to win a championship? That's that's the big that's question. That's going to be now. the big question, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right, let's break down the stat line for the games because there's some ones we got to get to on defense, especially. But we'll go through uh, Browns here real quick. Actually, we'll check out Justin Fields real quick here. Mm-hmm. Six of 20 for 68 yards. Yikes. I, it's unfortunate, mm. like we said, that this is what he had to experience in his first uh, game starting under center. Yeah, he hit he hit an absolute roadblock. But going into the Browns here, I mean Baker Mayfield, nineteen of thirty one, two hundred and forty six yards, uh, one TD, no interceptions, which was great to see. But it's encouraging. Unfortunately, it, the five sacks for forty three yards, we got to yeah. clean that up. But that's more of a line problem. Which I'm sure it'll end up getting cleared up here soon. I'm sure. But. We didn't get the Baker Mayfield we saw the first two weeks. That was damn near leading the league in most, off or at least in like accuracy. Um, no, not as much, but he is still leading the league with the best uh, completion percentage, I believe. Uh, I think um, I saw someone who was like fifth in the NFL right now. Is it fifth he, now? He dropped that far. Well, I mean, he missed twelve passes this game. 
It's true. It looks like his uh, overall passing percentage now is 73.8%. Whereas last week it was sitting at like 81.6. 81.6 or something like that, yeah. That's okay. You know what? He, I, I, I still don't understand the media why he is so... Um, he's not appreciated. He's underrated. And they're not giving him the credit that he's due. And you know what? I say keep doubting him because he, he feeds off that. So... Just keep doing it. Exactly. Uh, rushing here. We saw Chubb, for the most part, be kind of an afterthought, which was, mm-hmm. I, in a sense, is kind of refreshing to see because it allowed them to open up the game for so many other different options, I guess. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, and yet in the end, he still ended up waking up here, leading the team, 22 carries for 84 yards. Uh, it was just unfortunate that the average, you know, was well below what he's had so far. Yeah. Uh, only 3.8 yards uh, per carry here. But that's still another 84 yards that he's had on here. Mm-hmm. Uh, pulling this up here, I know I had a few things I wanted to go over here. You think his 262 rush yards for three games is a little low? I mean, he's averaging 80 yards per carry. Mm-hmm. Which it's is not, not bad. bad at all. No, it's, uh, yeah, it says right here he's averaging about five and a half yards a carry. Uh, 26 yards is his longest run. Um, yeah, so, I mean, it's... He's sadly uh, he's Nick Chubb right now is sitting at three. third in the league in rushing yards. Okay, so he's he's still with the uh with the big elites then. I mean, to, <laughs> to be expected, Derrick Henry is leading the charge here, uh three hundred and fifty-three yards rushing so far. Mm-hmm. Uh Chubb is sitting at third with two sixty-two, and Joe Mixon has two eighty-six. Okay, and I see too that uh, Nick Chubb is tied for first with uh, with three touchdowns. Yeah, he's definitely been uh, putting in work there. Yeah, that's nice. That's, that's kind of nice to see too. Yeah, I mean, I I think as the year goes on too, I think he'll start getting uh, uh, more yards as well. So yeah, and then Kareem Hunt has a hundred and sixty five yards. I saw rushing so far in the season with the seventy. Or sorry, with the eighty-one that he put in this past week, uh, yeah, he's on pace now. I want to say it was he needed like fifty-nine yards per game, or average per game to carry out the rest of the season mm-hmm. in order to hit that thousand mark. Uh, Chubb is sitting at like a fifty-one, maybe a forty-nine, somewhere around that range per game in order to hit that mark. Yeah, it says right here, Nick Chubb is predicted to finish the season with uh, 1,397 rush yards and 16 touchdowns, and Kareem Hunt, uh, 880 yards with 11 TDs. Which I think that we're going to see uh, the running back duo hit both hit 1,000 this year. It's quite possible. It's quite possible. Um, oh, we uh, I should... 
uh, list this off too. So Baker's projected to finish with a completion percentage of 73.8% and throw for 4,160 yards with 11 touchdowns and 11 interceptions. I don't think that the TD interception I, ratio is not going to yeah, happen no, like I don't that. Th- no, mm-hmm. I thought TD count is going to be a lot higher. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe the interception mark is accurate, but we'll have to wait and see how they how defenses line up against us. Mm-hmm. I could see him throwing like 24, 25 TDs with like 11 or 12 picks. I could see him throwing more like 30. You think so? I think this is going to be his, his year. I hope you're right. I'd like to see him pull that off. Um, he's off to that slow start, but again, like we said, sky's the limit, I think, as the se- season goes on. I think we've—I don't think we've seen the offense at their best yet. I don't think we've seen the defense at their—well, hmm, no. We did see the defense at their best today, uh, on Sunday. It's just the Even question that, if they're going to pull back. I don't think we saw them at their best. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I part of me thinks we saw what the offense could be at their best in that Chiefs game in that first half. Oh, yeah, in that Chiefs game, yeah. But our defense, I still don't think we saw what they're fully capable of. Yeah, I think I think we saw what the line could be I, the rest I, of the year. This, this game, to me, if we took the Browns after week three – yeah, and played them against the same Chiefs team that we did Week One. Yeah, I think that we'd be looking at being a three and O team right now, and the Chiefs sitting at an unheard of zero and three. Really, when you think about the Chiefs, the Chiefs should be zero and three right now because other than that Browns game, I mean, really to be honest, the Chiefs have not really played one great game against the Browns. They played one good half against the Ravens. They played one good half. And then last week, they didn't play good to like the fourth quarter. I, They've played the, five good quarters of football. There's, there's a, That's it. There's a, there's a problem there in Kansas City that they got to work on. Their defense really is not that good. No, no, it's not. They rely heavily on their offense. Mm-hmm. Way too much because as soon as their offense makes mistakes, they're, they're, they're screwed. Exactly. So I like our chances uh, right now with where we're at with, against them. So but just keep winning. Gotta talk here. Uh, Baker Mayfield for the mo- for the better part of the game was our second leading rusher. Uh, yeah, four carries yards. for thirty-one yards. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> uh, got Beckham with one carry for the ten-yard gain. Right. Uh, Dearness Johnson came in. After you know, well after the game was already decided, mm-hmm. uh, got two carries for nine yards. Case Keenum again coming in for Mayfield after the game had already been well decided. Yeah, but not even listed here under passing. He came in for three running plays, which that's to be expected. I think it was more. Those were the knees. Those were the knee, down or knee downs. Yeah, I think there was one handoff and two knees. Which yep. would not surprise me. Yeah. Uh, receiving. Are we really surprised here that OBJ ended up leading in the reception game? No, I think the more shocking thing is the Kareem Hunt's number two with only three yards less. I, yeah, that is a really shocking uh, thought there. That Kareem Hunt was three yards off from tying OBJ and when it comes to yardage gained 
he had a total of 155 yards of offense uh, gain for us. That's crazy, but man. OBJ, five receptions, 77 yards with 15.4 average. We had Kareem Hunt with the six receptions for 74, 12.3 average. Donovan Peoples-Jones uh, had a decent game on him. I mm-hmm. think we're going to be seeing a lot from him. He's a future star of this team. I, I truly believe that. I, I really mm-hmm. do as well, especially considering everything that you saw from uh, preseason, from training camp, everyone talking about Peoples-Jones specifically mm-hmm. and how he's destined for a breakout year. Yeah, I think he's going to earn his spot as the number three receiver on this team behind Jarvis and Odell. And if Odell's gone up to this year, then the number two behind Jarvis Landry. Uh, I mean, you can't knock out Hollywood Higgins, though. No, uh, Higgins is still somebody you've got to consider as being that guy because Baker and him still have this undeniable chemistry that the, I don't think Baker is, has with any other receiver on the team. He really is Baker's true go-to target when you yep. think about it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But going in here, Peoples-Jones with two receptions for 39 yards, 19.5 average. Uh, Higgins had a 12-yard 12 a- 12 average here, two receptions and 24 yards. Austin Hooper showing up finally. Because we've been we were wondering last week when we were talking about this, um, you mm-hmm. know, where's Hooper been really? He's been very quiet. He's quiet but last only, year. But he still did a lot for us though last year. It seems like now we're finally really seeing him start to come out again after the first couple of weeks. You know, my question is that we didn't we, we see we don't see David Njoku on this list. did he play at all? Uh, I don't. I think the Joku played. I just don't think he was targeted. Hmm. Weird. I'm. I'm. I'm actually kind of surprised. But uh, two receptions, nineteen yards, or nine and a half yard average. Uh, our lone TD reception. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, who broke the lone? T- yeah. Mm-hmm. Demetric Felton, two receptions for thirteen yards as well. And Bryant and Schwartz. Three targets between both of them, no catches. Which, okay, that's fine. I'm not going to worry about it too bad here. No, that's not now, that bad. Now, here's where things get interesting. Here's where we can start really talking about where our strength was this game. Down the line, I mean, it's... Defense here. Miles Garrett, six tackles, one assisted, four and a half sacks. Holy shit. And six quarterback hits. Can we talk six. about this? Can we talk about this real fast here? <laughs> because Clowney, Cormoa, and Garrett were completely penetrating and breaking through that line like it was nothing. Yeah, it's like the line was non-existent. I mean, Miles Garrett's obviously the MVP of the game, but Jeremiah Susu Cormoa. You this is why we drafted why, him. You saw why we drafted him this game. Yep. You saw why it was such a steal that he ended up falling into our lap in the second round with the 52nd pick after we traded up for him. You, I still don't understand this day. That, he was a player that was predict or predicted to go in the first round, like mid to late first round. 
really we had no business getting them, and I have I, I have to question as to why everybody passed on him. I mean, I'm I'm glad. I mean, I'm thankful for that. But why? Because he's such a dynamic player. And what was the one case they made about him? He is everywhere. He's all over the field, and he's showing that he's living up to that. And uh, the Browns, it, they it, it felt he fell right into their lap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was he was ours for the taking. It's like it was just meant to be. We're seeing great things from him already, and I cannot wait to see the kind of future that he has here in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a bright one. But no question. speaking of Koromoa here, uh, three tackles, one assist, uh, and a half sack. Greg Newsome here, three so three tackles. Denzel Ward, three tackles. Jadavion Clowney, two tackles, one assisted, two sacks. And five quarterback hits. Ronnie Harrison, wow. two tackles, one assist, one sack. Troy Hill, one tackle, one assist. So we, you can just keep going down the line and make a case for each of these players. Like you had uh, McK- Tack McKinley and uh, Malik Johnson here, both with two assisted tackles each, both with a half sack. Mm-hmm. And look, that's just going even further and further down our line here. You're seeing the kind of shit that our defense is capable of you see what you see why Garrett is a leader on that defense you see why what he did and calling out the defense including himself including the coaches about mm-hmm. their shit play that they've been doing the first couple of weeks how it lit a fire under them it did it did and the fact of the matter is the Browns defense finished with nine sacks total and 15 quarterback hits 15 nice. 15 quarterback hits, nine sacks, holding the Bears to under 50 total yards of offense. Absolutely crazy. Absolutely crazy. Uh, all in all. No kick returns. That was the second, but Demetric Felton is kind of blowing me away with his ability to return punts because we had – I, what was it? We our highest return last year hmm. uh, was twelve yards, if I'm not mistaken. Um, something like that. Yeah, it wasn't good. Punt returns this game. Seven returns for a hundred and three yards, averaging fourteen point seven. Boy, yeah, he he he's gonna return one here soon. It's coming. It's it's definitely coming. I am um, for us. It's whatever. But let's talk about another thing here that uh, really needs to be discussed. And that's Chase McLaughlin. Chase McLaughlin. Yeah. Break, uh, leading, breaking the Browns uh, record, I believe, for longest punt or not fifty-seven longest, yard longest kick for fifty-seven. Let's talk about the balls on. Uh, Stefanski here for a second and the play calling he's done this year. So the very first game, first drive, he goes on, he goes for it on a fourth and uh, like three or four. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And ends up getting it. He gets the touchdown immediately. First 
touchdown drive the game. What does it do? Two-point conversion. And they get it. The, <laughs> and then you take a look at that. You take a look at the trend here. Like, they're, he's playing risky football this season. Oh, yeah. No question about it. It's, he he wants it. The two fourth down conversions attempts that uh, the Browns had at the beginning of the game here that both led to Mayfield sacks. Hmm. And then, but that's two right in a row there at deep in uh, Chicago territory. Then he's going, you know what? Let's go for it. Then you get how, then you get as far back as they were on the 57 yard attempt. And hmm. it's like, fuck it, McLaughlin, you're going in. And going for a 57-yard field goal attempt and McLaughlin nailing it, him hitting another 52-yard one later in the game, him hitting a 40-plus-yard one in the game as well, mm-hmm. and then the 28-yard one he had. He's, he has a leg on him. Oh, yeah. And uh, I'm, first of all, I'm, I'm kind of glad that Cody Parkey is no longer the kicker because Cody Parkey had a hard time making 50-yarders. So I'm, I'm glad about that. Um, and number two, um, that 57-yard field goal would have been made probably from over 60. So that's encouraging that the Browns, if they're in a situation they need a last-second field goal at the end of the game, they can get to the 40 or 45-yard line and they can kick a field goal and have a kicker that can do it. Exactly. We want to talk about kickers, though. We're not used to seeing that. We want to talk about kickers, though. And this is worth mentioning, even though it pains me to talk about the team that did it. Justin Tucker. 66-yard field goal to win the game. Well, 62, I thought, was what I heard. No, 66. Okay. But breaking the NFL record for longest field goal attempt in NFL history. (sighs) Yeah, I'm right here. It says that's, that's insane. It says following a record setting and game winning sixty six yard field goal, it comes as no surprise that Baltimore Ravens kicker Justin Tucker was named AFC special teams player of the week. Yeah, I mean, much as it pains me to talk about the Ravens, I have to applaud that because that was just that oh, was truly yeah, you amazing. Cannot, you cannot uh deny that one. No. No. I'm just glad it didn't happen against us, so that 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 that's fine. Yeah, I feel bad for the Lions fans because the last time uh, they played the Ravens, I think last year they they, they lost on a long I, field goal. Well. You can't help but feel for Jared Goff in this case, though, because not only is he playing for a team that just is not capable of winning right now, mm-hmm. even with the change of scenery, Goff still isn't doing a whole lot. But no. the fact that everyone seems to be embracing Matthew Stafford in Rams uniform, coaches, players, all alike. The fact that the Rams are 3-0 and right now, and I believe I saw they were actually leading the power rankings this for this week. They, they are. Um, I believe it was the top four were, uh, were the, Charger, or the Chargers, or I mean the Rams, the Bucks, the Cardinals, and the Browns. That was your top four. Uh, Browns were number six. No, they moved him off to number four. They updated him. When? Because this was yesterday that I read the. I, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll bring him up. Where they, are you uh, looking at it from? Where am I looking at it from? Yeah, where are you getting your power ranking from? Bleacher Report. I'm getting it from ESPN. Mm-hmm. Bleacher Report put the Browns at number four. They were at number 
Let's see where they were at last week. I think they were at number eight or ten last week. Uh, I'm trying to bring it up here. Um, power rankings. Here we go. So, yeah, uh, they were number four. And Steelers, by the way, are number 22. Not surprised. Uh, last week, the Browns were at number six on there. Um, they said over the first two games, the Cleveland Browns looked okay. Baker Mayfield and the offense held up their end of the deal in a loss to the Chiefs and went over the Texans. But the defense had been lackluster at best and especially awful on third downs. All Garrett did against Chicago was tally seven total tackles and set a new franchise record for sacks in a game with four and a half. For the game, the Browns allowed 47 yards. When Cleveland's defense is playing at that level and the Browns are racking up north of 200 yards on the ground, the Browns can beat anyone. But the Browns are also about to be tested in a big way defensively. The team's next three matchups are against rolling offenses of the Vikings, Chargers, and the Cardinals. With an elite running game and emerging defense, the Browns have a recipe to beat anyone. Not surprising. Like For mm-hmm. ESPN's power rankings that they had here, they mm-hmm. have the Rams at number one with last week being two. Uh, mm-hmm. Bucks at number two, previous ranking was number one. The Bills at number three, previous ranking mm-hmm. was fifth. Uh, the Packers at fourth with previous ranking of 11. With the Raiders um, lead, rounding out the top five. At I, think, at fifth. I think the, uh, the Bills are too high. They're too high. Because I don't know. No, they're playing. They are playing like the Bills that we saw last year. That game, yeah. which is make, making it seem like that game against the Steelers was nothing more than an anomaly that happened. And it, and it could have been. Take, if you take the Bills team that we see right now and put them against that same Steelers team, the Steelers would get fucked up. Probably, but that game showed a bear uh, a Bills uh, glaring weakness and. At the end of the day, the Steelers' defense is still fairly good, and the Bills have not gone up against a good defense since then. So when they play a good defense, is that going to result in the same result as the Steelers' game? That's the question. Uh, time's going to have to tell. So I don't know. We'll see. It's early for determine anybody. Right now, the power rankings are, are very early. Like I said, the Browns at 4 and 6. It's fantastic, but is that going to stick 10, 12 weeks from now? We don't know. Who knows? Maybe the Browns could be the number two or number one in the power rankings in 12 weeks. They could be. It's possible. Or they could it's drop the number 15. They could drop real low, too. It's all, right. it's all perspective as to how the season plays out. But anyway, right. let's go into this upcoming week against the Vikings. Yeah. So Kevin Stefanski's old team. This is going to be fun. Kevin Stefanski's old team, not to mention it seems like a resurging Kirk Cousins. Yeah, he, I mean, the Vikings are one and two, but they could very easily be flip-flopped because Kirk Cousins having a great Kirk year. Kirk Cousins being just shy of 1,000 yards passing already. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's having um, a fantastic year. He he is lighting up that offense. Well, they're a good football team, and really, to be honest, they're probably one of the one of the best one and two teams out there right now. They are, without a doubt, they they are definitely one of the best. Our defense um, will be tested. The, yeah, uh, we're gonna have to really see what our secondary is capable of this game. 
yeah, I think it's going to come down to what these corners and these linebackers are going to do. So looking at the last three weeks for the Browns here, how do you see this game turning out? Um, I think it's gonna... knowing what we do about the Vikings situation they're in right now as well. Um, I think it's going to depend on, again, what version of the team we see. Are we going to see the same Browns defense that we saw against the Bears, or are we going to see the team that we saw against the Texans and the Chiefs? Um, I think that I, I believe we're going to build off the success of this game of the defense. I think the Lions going to have a good game, maybe not as good as the Bears game, but I think our uh, our cornerbacks and our linebackers, this, this is going to be the game uh, to show that they can shine as well. Um, and I think Baker in the offense will do will do just fine. Um, I'm not too worried about the Vikings defense. So um, this one's going to be relatively closer just because the Vikings offense is really good. Um, I'm not going to say it's going to be a high-scoring affair this time. I'm going to say the Browns will sneak this one in, uh, I will say, 24-20. Okay. Uh, I'm going to have to agree with you on that one. I think our cornerbacks and our linebackers are going to get tested heavily this game. We're mm-hmm. going to have to see what kind of metal that they've got going in, in their system going with this game here, especially with the uh, – Kirk Cousins having a year that he already has, he's been having so far. Right. Um, I agree. We're going to build off our defensive game that we've had against the Bears last week. Mm -hmm. Uh, Baker and company offensively should have a great time against their defense. I'm going to still say the Browns are going to win. I'm going to disagree with you in being a close game, though. I think we're going to be looking at a low-scoring game, but I don't think it's going to be close. I think we're going to be seeing another case of what it was like this week. I think we're going to be seeing 21-6. Wow, you think the Browns' defense is going to hold them in no touchdowns? Uh, it's either going to be no touchdowns or it's going to be a late touchdown that the Vikings get and they fail a two-point conversion. Okay. All right. Well, that's interesting. Uh, either way, yeah, we got the Browns winning this game. I, I still think they're going to take care of business here. Um, I think they're going to go into um, L.A. with a 3-1 and record. Um, I guess my last prediction to talk about before we wrap, uh, wrap, wrap, wrap this episode is with the Browns' stretch of the Cardinals, the Chargers, the Broncos, and the Steelers coming up after the Vikings, where do you think they're going to be record-wise? So you said which teams that we've got coming up here? After the Vikings, Chargers, Cardinals, Broncos, Steelers, and Bengals. Those five afterwards. So these these six games, what do you think they're going to be? Let's see. We've got the Vikings game four and one, or sorry, three and one. Mm-hmm. We've got next game. Chargers. Chargers. Think we're going to be looking at five and one or four and one. Yeah, four and one. Next game, Cardinals. Oh, with how the Cardinals have been playing, especially with Kyler Murray having like an MB, like you said an MVP caliber season. Yeah, I think we're going to be looking at four and two. 
And then Broncos, Steelers, Bengals. Broncos, Steelers, Bengals, seven and two. I think you're about right on with that. Um, I think it's going to come down to uh, that Chargers or Cardinals game. I think the Browns are going to lose one of those um, for sure. I don't think they're going to win both. I, I hope to God they do, and maybe they'll surprise us and they will. Um, but I think they're going to lose one or of those. Are they going to surprise us and they lose both? They could. They could. Um, again, it'll depend on what Browns team shows up. Um, but yeah, I think we're looking at a six and three, seven and two run there after all those games. Um, and if that's the case, if they're going, if they're going near that, I think we could very easily say it'll probably be an eleven and five or uh, twelve and four year. Or I'm sorry, eleven and six, twelve and five year. If we're on that pace. I'm not going that route. Like I, I'm sticking with Better? the original prediction. What was your original prediction? Fourteen and three. Ooh. Oh well, if I look at their schedule, it's doable. I think the one game, the one other game, minus the, probably the Cardinals game coming up here, is going to be the Ravens game. One of the Ravens games I think we're going to lose. Yeah, I think we both agree that they're probably going to split those games. They're going to win one, lose one, for sure. I hope they shock us and win both. But I think they're going to split those games, yeah. I have to be honest with you, the Ravens game might be the last game they lose um, at the end of the season because I think after that they play four more games. Raiders, let's say on my schedule, Raiders, Packers, oh, Packers. Yeah, Raiders, that, Packers, Steelers, Bengals over the last four games after the Ravens that, uh, game stretch. That, that Packers game, like I said, though, that's going to be an interesting one because at, when we had discussed this, this was my wild card game. I thought that, I like I had predicted, if uh, Aaron Rodgers did not come back, we were going to absolutely blow them out of the water. Mm. If Rodgers did come back, this was going to be a really tight game. I think it and will be. The more I thought about it, too, because it's after week one, mm-hmm. what the fuck happened to Rodgers? Maybe he should have just left the NFL at that point. It looked like it. And now, after the last couple of weeks, right back into first gear, or right back into third gear. Well, that Browns-Packers game... That could, it could potentially be a Super Bowl preview. It could. It could, but I don't think that's what the Super Bowl is going to end up being. I still yeah. I still am holding in my gut that we're going to be seeing a rematch from week one in the playoffs here going to the AFC Championship. Yeah, I think it's going to be Browns, Chiefs, in the AFC Championship. I think and so. if that is the case... I think this is where we finally get our win against the Chiefs. Yeah. I think, to, to be see, honest... To be able to say, or to be predicting right now, obviously this is all just prediction. This is all just, you know, hype and everything. Yeah. So there's yeah. obviously no guarantee that's going to happen. But to be able to hear that in the Super Bowl, the Browns are your AFC representative. Yeah, I, I'm 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 predicting that I think it's going to be Baker versus Brady in the Super Bowl. That's what I think it's going to be. And folks, I'm going to call this now. I'm sure 
I'm sure me and Mike will work out the details for this one at some point here. Mm-hmm. If the Browns do make the Super Bowl, we're going to hold a special live broadcast during the, of the Super Bowl game. It oh. is as if the Browns make the Super Bowl. We will hold that live episode of our podcast covering the entire game, play for play, down for down, every you, minute of the game, just so that we can see our reactions live as whether we win, whether win, lose, does not matter. You're you you do that. realize, you do realize that if that episode ends with us winning the Super Bowl, that episode might as well be the series finale of the podcast because no other ending of any of our podcasts will ever top that ending. Exactly. Ever. So, but I mean, it's not going to obviously be a serious finale, but no, but I mean, no ending's going to top that. No. Yeah. No ending's going to top that. And it's a matter of we're going to see live and you guys be able to witness live those who may not be watching the game for whatever reason. But if you wanted the coverage, you know, of us watching the game, being able to see our reactions live to hearing that last whistle blown at the fourth quarter and the Browns winning the Super Bowl. I think basically what that episode would turn out to be. I think the episode basically would turn into this. It wouldn't be so much an episode while the game is on. It would be like you're watching a feed of us watching the game. It's all of our live reactions. And then we would jump into an immediate episode after the game's over. Uh, Depending on how, uh, if we have voices at that point. Yeah, and uh, yeah. Oh, February. That could be that's not until February, but um, uh, can we get a, can we get a guest uh, on on this a special guest on this uh, podcast? Uh, potential uh, guy from the future. Sure. Who do you have in mind? Uh, Doctor Emmett Brown. Doctor Emmett Brown. Mm-hmm. Okay. Marty McFly might join him on the show as well. <laughs> They're coming back from the year uh, from coming from February to uh, tell us about the Browns win the Super Bowl. Uh, and with that, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us for another episode of Dog Pound Nation, Cleveland Browns podcast. I am Jason Kabasik here with Mike Winkler. We are looking forward to seeing you with hopefully yet another win coming up here against the Vikings next week. With that, go Browns. Go Browns.